Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 21, where Jesus said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. And again he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. With many similar parables Jesus spoke the word to them, as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. So far God's word. Thanks, John. Um, Yeah, keep your Bibles open. There's... Close links here between these three stories. They're recorded in order like this for a reason. Uh, We're going to draw that out this morning as we look at them together in a bit more detail. Uh, The other day I was um, reading an article about uh, inventors and all their uh, incredible inventions. I don't know if you... It kind of struck me while I was reading it, but everything around us at some point had to be invented. I don't know if you ever looked at the world like that. Maybe that's just me. Uh, someone's invented everything around us and, and this article was talking about all sorts of inventions that, that people had made, uh, very successful things and things you will have heard of. But as interesting as it was, uh, something I found a bit more in- interesting is failed inventions. Uh, ideas that people have come up with, all these great and, and wacky and weird things that just for some reason or another haven't taken off. Uh, I find them fascinating. For example, uh, Ford... Uh, the the car company, had a concept in the 1950s uh, for the Nucleon, uh, which is, as it sounds, a nuclear-powered car for everyone. I mean, who wouldn't want that? Uh, Can you imagine how fast a nuclear-powered car would be? And who wouldn't want to drive everywhere sitting in front of a nuclear reactor? Like, where's the drawback? It sounds awesome. Uh, Maybe more recently, you might remember from about a decade ago, 3D TV was becoming the next big thing until it wasn't, and it just vanished. You can't even buy one anymore. Uh, And this is my personal favourite, and I can't understand why this one failed. 
It is the boiled egg squarer. Uh, is a round egg too complex for you? Use the boiled egg squarer. Have a square boiled egg. You can use it every day for nice symmetrical eggs. If you're sick of your egg rolling off the plate or if you have no egg cups, square egg and it will stay exactly where you are for your eating pleasure. Call now and we'll double the whole offer. <laughs> it's hard to understand why these things never took off. Okay, it's not too hard to understand. They're pretty dud. They're pretty bad. But we get the feeling from the way Mark has put these stories together, from the way Mark has crafted his gospel, that the Christians in his day were wondering why their big thing hadn't taken off. I mean, Mark has painted a pretty incredible picture up to this point in the Gospel, hasn't he? He's shown us there's amazing things. There's a lot of hype. There's healings. There's confrontations. There's exorcisms. There's a king who's arrived and his power and authority are are completely unmatched. It should be massive. You know, this should be being adopted all over the world. It should be going crazy. But it's not. It maybe even feels a bit like a bit of a dud. I mean, put yourself in their shoes. You know, he's writing to a group of people maybe about 30 years after Jesus died. And what's their situation? Life's hard. Life's really hard, in fact. They are a minority, a despised minority. They are being persecuted. They have been persecuted in brutal ways. The growth of the church is really slow and life is tough. What's going on? Maybe we can relate. Uh, Life still is a bit hard. We're still a minority, aren't we? Growth is very slow. We talk about Jesus, we, we pray for growth and it doesn't really seem to happen. Maybe it feels a bit mundane. Maybe it feels a bit tired, a bit old hat. You know, exciting things happen, but maybe they just ex- happen on the other side of the world or, or maybe in some of those big churches with big budgets. But not us. Not here. Why? Has something gone wrong? Have we somehow missed out? Well, Mark shows us Jesus' answer to those questions here. And the answer is simply no. It's not that something's gone wrong. Instead, something very right is happening, something very much planned and very wonderful and it's happening right before our eyes. And we're going to see that as we open up these stories this morning. Uh, The the theme of all three of these parables really is quite similar to what Jeff opened up with us last week. We're we're looking at the kingdom, we're looking at how God's kingdom works, uh, what it's like, but especially how it goes out and how it's received this morning. What's the kingdom all about? Well, grab your Bible. uh, Look with me again at verse 21 and 22. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. Uh, What's the kingdom about? Well, it's about being revealed. The kingdom is a bit like a lamp. Uh, the, the message of the kingdom is a bit like a lamp. The king is here, he is his new way, his new life to proclaim this uh, revealing of God's glory that we saw as we opened the service. That's what it's about. It, it's not about hiding 
It's not about secrecy. It's not about something that you know, kind of happens in the shadows. It's about revealing. It's about light. Because it is light. It's not lit in order to be you know, tucked away and hidden uh, like our kids insist on doing with all our torches. You know, light it and then hide it somewhere just to run the batteries down. No, the kingdom isn't like that. The kingdom is supposed to be seen. It's supposed to be brought out into the open. It's to reveal. Uh, Verse 22 there is a bit of a tricky one to translate. If we do it kind of literally, this is a bit more what it sounds like. Uh, For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Uh, When you hear that, there's an implication there, isn't there? There's an implication that this story of the kingdom, this news about the kingdom, had been hidden. (laughs) That it had been secret. In fact, that it had been deliberately hidden or deliberately made secret. But not in order that it would stay that way. In order that it would be found. In order that it would be revealed. Uh, You know, a, a bit like an Easter egg hunt maybe. I mean, I love setting up Easter egg hunts. I'm not a very good finder, but I'm a good hider. Uh, And I love going and hiding the the, the Easter eggs around, you know, not too obscure, but not too easy, kind of like a three-year-old level uh, where I can also find them. But you you, you know the point, don't you? You don't hide Easter eggs so that for the next two or three years you're forever turning up Easter eggs in all these random places. It usually happens inevitably anyway. But but you're hiding them so that they can be found, aren't they? You're not hiding them to keep them forever. You're hiding them so that people can find them. And so it is with the kingdom. For years, God had obscured it. He proclaimed it was coming. He'd given hints as to what it was going to be like. He'd shown us a bit about its way and a bit about its type, but it was hidden. But not that it would stay there forever. Hidden so that one day he would reveal it fully and everyone would see it in all its wonder and power and glory. Hidden in order that it would be received. And Jesus is saying, now. It's here. The lamp is lit and it's put on display, not tucked away any, for any longer, but out to be seen. And how is it received? Well, he tells us. Look at verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. How is the kingdom received? Well, Jesus says, by hearing. But not simply hearing. So we all know there's different types of hearing, isn't there? You know, there's hearing when your wife tells you to do something. What did you say? You know? Or there's hearing when the cricket's on the ABC and you hear Jim Maxwell getting excited in the other room or at the other end of the house and you know something's happened. You can hear it. Well, the way you hear the kingdom is the way that the kingdom is measured to you. Hear well, hear what the kingdom's about, hear what it requires, act on what you hear, and then your measure is big. And so it will be measured to you, so you will receive. But hear poorly, Jesus says. Uh, Hear the gist, but not the point. Hear, uh, but not act. And then your measure is small. And you receive small. 
And as Jesus continues, one day even that small that you may have received will be taken from you. Whereas if you hear big, if you listen and act, believe and act, then everything you get now will be added to you, even in abundance, when the king comes. See, the question here is not with the kingdom or with its promises. The question is with us. The question is with us. See, the kingdom's revealed. Uh, already at this stage, Mark has made clear what the kingdom is about. It's clear that it centres on Jesus. Uh, it's clear that he's the head of it. He is the power. He is the authority. It's clear that it's about responding to him, repenting and believing in him. And it's going to become more clear later. Um, a few chapters on, Jesus tells his disciples that everything that they've kind of seen bits of already, they'll see completely once he's risen from the dead. Then, then they'll know it all in every detail. They'll know, and we see them, that they know that. That, that forgiveness is through Jesus' death, that life is through his resurrection, that, that faith and entrance into the kingdom is by trusting and receiving. That message is clear, and it's clear today. The message of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom is revealed for us. It's not secret anymore. It's here, it's in the open, it's spelled out to us. And so the question then is, how will you hear it? How will you hear the message? Will you hear it with faith, with a big measure? Will you trust the news of a king who gave his life for you? Will you believe he rose from the dead to give life to you? Will you repent of your life of rebellion and sin and give your life to him? If so, not only have you heard the kingdom, but you've received it. Entry into it now, today perhaps, all the blessings that come with that, his spirit to live in you, to seal the kingdom in you, to, to guide you and grow you in it, already you receive so much and much more to come. For to the one who has, more will be given. Or will you hear it with just interest? Maybe with a small measure. Curious? You know, dipping your toe in, giving this stuff a try, liking it. Maybe, you know, you don't want to go overboard with it. Some parts you like, some parts you don't. You know, you don't want to be one of those weirdos who kind of chucks it all in for this. Well, then with that measure, it will be measured to you. You'll get tastes nowadays. You'll get a hint. But as Jesus says, one day even that will be taken from you. You will not receive, you will miss out. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Hear big, respond. And if you've heard, are you helping others hear? If you've received this abundance, are you helping others to receive? You know, no one's going to receive this by osmosis, are they? People don't just, you know, trip over one day and fall into the kingdom. That's not how it works. Jesus makes that very clear to us. 
It's by hearing. Uh, As Paul picks up in Romans 10, this is what he says there in Romans 10, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching, that is proclaiming or speaking, to them? If they're going to receive the kingdom, they need to hear the kingdom. They need to, to hear this message. Will you tell them? Will you proclaim it? I mean, of course, I know it's hard. It's difficult. It feels awkward. We don't know if we've got the right words. Maybe you've been telling people and they just don't seem to be listening. Maybe you keep telling them and there just is no response. Is something wrong? I mean, is that the best we can expect? Is there something broken? Well, again, Jesus says, no, there is more. There is a hope and it is good. And he tells us that by giving us another parable, one about subtle growing. Look at verse 26. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. (laughs) When you stop to think about it, the comparison Jesus draws here, I mean, it's so mundane as to be ridiculous, isn't it? What's his eternal, glorious, wonderful kingdom like? A man throwing some seed around. (laughs) It's crazy. It just is absolutely nuts. And yet... Yet the comparison is good because Jesus' point to us is very simple. Uh, It's not about who the sower is here. It's not about the soil that he's sowing in. It's simply about the seed and the growth that comes. It grows, though he does not know how. I mean, of course, we know how. Karina threw that that slide up before. We know how. I mean, I went to uni to learn how seed grows. I can't remember what I learned, but but we know roughly what happens. It, It sprouts, it sends up a shoot and it continues growing. But it's still a mystery, isn't it? Now, we top-dressed our lawn the other day and I scattered seed to fill in all the bare patches of which there were too many. And every day I have to keep checking it because I just don't know how or when it's going to happen. I know that it will happen. It hasn't yet. I'm trusting it will. But when is a mystery. And that's Jesus' point, isn't it? Growth is coming. Growth is happening. We might not see it, we might not understand it, we might not know when, but it is happening, it will happen. The seed scattered, the word scattered, will grow. How? How does seed grow? Well, its growth comes from God. Not from the sower, but from God. Uh, Here's what one commentator wrote. Uh, At first there may be little to show for the sowing of seed and a sceptical observer might think nothing was happening. But there is an inner dynamic in that message which will in due time produce its effect even if human insight cannot fathom how the process works. In the meantime, the wise disciple will wait in confidence for God's work to be accomplished in God's way. 
I mean, when you, when you step back and consider it, isn't Jesus' own ministry an incredible illustration of this, this happening? You know, for three years he walked, toiling, sowing the seed, uh, spreading it all over Galilee and Judea and through Jerusalem. And he did, he gathered crowds, didn't they? Didn't he? Which then left him and in the end turned on him. He gathered disciples, he, he invested himself in them, only to see them abandon him and run away. And then, after his death and his resurrection and his ascension, what happened? Growth. In fact, amazing growth. Dozens, hundreds, thousands of people responding to that message, coming to him. God's word did its work. God brought growth from that seed as he promised. After all, that is his promise. He said that long before Jesus came, didn't he? Now, Isaiah 55 verse 11, this is what God says. So is the word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's word does God's work. It never fails, it's never stumped, it never is ineffective. It works even as we scatter it, as he calls us to. We can't make that seed grow. That's not our job, it's beyond us. But we can spread it. That is our job. The sowing is ours. The growing is God's. The sowing is ours. The growing is God's. I mean, just for a moment, imagine the alternative. Imagine if not only was the sowing ours, but imagine if the growing was as well. Imagine if you were responsible not only for telling your neighbours about Jesus, but seeing to it that that word grew in their lives. Can you imagine the burden that would be? I mean, how could you ever rest? How could you ever stop talking to them, investing in them, uh, worrying about them? I mean, you know the stakes here, don't you? We're talking about the eternal destination of people. I mean, how frantic would you be if their salvation, their life, the growth of the word in them was entirely held in your hands? You can't live like that. It would destroy you. We can't bear that burden. And Jesus is saying here, you don't have to. Instead, sow the seed. Spread the word. Talk about Jesus, who he is. Talk about the life. Talk about the hope in him. Do it diligently. Do it often. Do it eagerly. And trust him. Trust him. Because God will. God will, in the right time, in the right place, bring the right growth according to his right and perfect desires. And there will be a harvest. We don't know who God's going to call. We don't know when he'll bring growth in their lives. We don't know how he'll do that. But we know he will as is, where is, right and good and perfect. 
And so we scatter the seed. We, we spread it out. Not just to those whom we think are likely, but wherever we have the opportunity. We spread it and we trust. We talk about Jesus. Actions, witness, that, that's good. But we need to use words. In fact, we need your words. We need you to speak your knowledge about Jesus, to talk about your hope in Jesus, to talk about the impact he's made on your life and your experience and your love for him. We need your words. Not just my words. I mean, I can't think of the perfect words at all the perfect times. I'm not the perfect speaker. Neither are you. I mean, you know what it's like. You always think, oh, I wish I'd had that answer instead of that one. That would have made such a difference in their life. That's not what the parable says, isn't it? It's not about throwing extra special seeds at the extra special time in the extra special way. It's just about sowing it. Speaking about Jesus, it is just that simple. It might be your family, your invite to the family Christmas celebration next week. That might be the seed that God chooses to use and grow. I mean, it might be a conversation you have with someone after that. I mean, you can imagine how it goes. Have you ever heard a Christmas story like that before? Pretty far, no offence, pretty far out. <laughs> I've read the script, it's okay, it's good. I know, strange, but have you ever thought about it in that way? Have you ever thought what that line might mean for you? It's just that simple. Talking about Jesus in the situations God gives us and trusting. God brings perfect growth from our imperfect sowing. What it looks like when it happens, where it happens, we don't know. And it doesn't matter, does it? Because our job is simple. Sow, pray, trust. Yes, it takes time. Yes, it's frustrating, I know. But God brings growth. Subtly, slowly, but inevitably. How do I know that? Because he's promised it. That's what Jesus makes clear in the last parable, isn't it? His kingdom grows. Look with me at the last parable, verse 30. Again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. I mean, again, it's, it's an incredible picture of, of the kingdom, isn't it? It's, it's not a nuclear bomb, it's not a hypersonic missile, it's a mustard seed. And yes, I know it's not literally the smallest seed in existence and I know it doesn't grow into literally the biggest plant in existence. Jesus is exaggerating, he's allowed to do that because his point is simple. His point is simple. It starts small. It starts humble. It starts insignificant every day. And yet it doesn't stay that way. It grows. And as he tells us, in its growth, it becomes a blessing to many. See, Jesus is actually doing something really uh, important here. Um, Jesus is actually confronting, he's actually challenging the desires of his original audience. 
uh, this image of a growing tree, the, the, the tree that blesses many, is one that would have been really familiar to the, the Jews of his day, the people he's speaking to, because the Old Testament actually had that image in it a number of times, uh, promising that this is what God's people would be like. This is what Israel would be like. They, they would become big. This is um, one example that we find in Ezekiel sorry, chapter 17. This is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will take a shoot from the very top of a cedar and plant it. I will break off a tender sprig from its topmost shoots and plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain heights of Israel I will plant it. It will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar. Birds of every kind will nest in it. They will find shelter in the shade of its branches. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? Sounds a bit like what Jesus is talking about. But it sounds very grand. I mean, we'd like that to be said about our future, wouldn't we? You know, you're the, the, the top shoot, the very best of the plant. You're going to be put on a high and lofty mountain. How good does that sound? You're going to have great branches and bear much fruit. You're going to be a splendid cedar, the most wonderful of all trees and a home to many. And do you hear how Jesus picks up on those themes but then subverts them? Not a shoot, but an everyday seed. Not a mountain, but a garden. Not a cedar, but a mustard. You know, an annual. comes and goes every year. And what Jesus is saying is that his kingdom is not yet majesty, glory, power. That's going to come, definitely. He's saying now it's humility and weakness and insignificance. It's going to start small. It's going to start every day. Yes, it will grow, but not the way you expect. I mean, we, we, we want big and bold and amazing, don't we? We want that. We want dramatic. We want to show. We'd love to follow that. We'd love to be part of that. But Jesus says, that's not how my kingdom works. That's not how it's going to happen. Uh, I don't know if you remember H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds, um, book, radio show, movie and movie and movie. Uh, it's a classic. It's old. You, uh, there's no spoilers. Mars invades Earth, uh, aliens, mysterious aliens, march around in these ginormous tripod kind of things and they are absolutely unstoppable. No weapon beats them, uh, they just lay waste to everything. Nothing we do can get in their way or, or prevent them. They are unstoppable until they all stop and they all fall over and die. Why? Not because we came up with some grand, wonderful solution to, to, to beat them. Why did they all die? Little bugs, bacteria, microbes, you know, things you can't even see without a microscope. All of humanity's power and strength and, and innovation does nothing. And a tiny microbe wins the battle. And Jesus says, so it is with my kingdom. It is not all humanity's power and innovation and glory and wonder. It is humble, it is small, it is weak and yet it does the work. It grows and grows and grows and it overcomes even in weakness and humility. 
And that's our message. That's our way. The weak yet growing kingdom. The humble too, even death on a cross king who even now rules all before one day every knee shall bow. The kingdom that is humble. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel a lot better because I know I'm pretty weak and pretty unimpressive, especially when it comes to talking about Jesus. And this makes me feel better because it says, you know, we haven't taken a wrong turn somewhere. It's not as if the, the, the kingdom's kind of run out of steam and we're, you know, on the sputtering edges of it burning out. I mean, that would be easy to believe, wouldn't it? Let's face it, our message is weird and offensive. We're calling people to give their lives to a dead king. And it doesn't end there. We're saying, come and join the church, which is widely agreed everyone hates nowadays. Uh, And if not that, at least uh, something that won't exist in a generation's time. it's, It's strange, isn't it? It's offensive. It's a pretty weird message. And Jesus says, that's not the point. It doesn't matter. Mustard seeds, remember. That's God's kingdom. That he is growing. That he will continue to grow. That he will make into a home for many. Do you expect it to grow? I don't know if you've ever thought that before. Do you expect our church to grow? As we talk about Jesus. Do you expect people to respond to his message when you share it? it? Sounds radical, doesn't it? I can talk about Jesus and someone might respond? What a strange thought. And yet God says, expect it. Don't be amazed, expect it. Yes, you, I, us, we, it, we're humble, we're average, but that's the point. Because it's not about us. That's exactly how God works. That's exactly how God has promised to work. Through the weak and the humble and the unimpressive. Exactly like us. Trust that message and sow that seed. Because God has said he will grow it. And even though it's humble, he will make it big. We don't change that message even though it is strange, even though it's offensive. Everything else is up for grabs. (laughs) Everything else we're willing to change. We're glad to change because we don't want anything to stand in the way of that word. But we never change that word. Though it's strange, though it's weird, though it's awkward and uncomfortable at times, it is right as it is. It is the mustard seed that we are called to share. And that's God's kingdom. Uh, If you are hoping for something big, something incredible, something you could marvel at or perhaps put on your resume, uh, I'm sorry that you might be disappointed right now. That's not how it works. It's better. It's a lot better. God's kingdom grows simply, subtly, steadily. All by God's power, through God's word, in God's time. And we, you and I, our church, get to be a part of that. That's our place. That's our role. In our conversations, in our talk, in our words, 
the kingdom grows, the kingdom spreads and the kingdom fills the world and it changes lives. Hear it, spread it and trust God as you do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would do wonderfully uh, amongst us what you have promised here, that you would grow your kingdom, that even through our failing and weak attempts uh, and efforts, you would do wonderful and amazing things, even here, even in Alverston. Father, you've promised this and you've called us to share it and so we pray that you would help us. Help us to be bold. Help us to trust these promises you've made. Help us to be faithful to Jesus and expectant as we speak of him. And Father, work through us, we pray. Uh, We long that many would hear uh, big and find the hope that is in Jesus. We think of our friends and our neighbours and our loved ones Father, may, they find, may your word find good soil in them and may it grow that they would hear of you and give their lives to you and that in them your kingdom might grow even further. We pray this in Jesus, our Saviour and King's name. Amen.